0: Hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all Bring forth the royal diadem and ground and Lord of all every time Welcome everybody to the Tag Your It podcast, I'm Ray Ray
1: I am David Van Dever.
0: Yes, and we are here and it's a, you know, we record this usually the day before it uploads. So it's Monday. It's a storm in here in Springfield. What's it like up in Kansas?
1: Well, we had a really loud lightning crash like a little while ago, but and it is a little bit cloudy now, but it's been like super hot. So this rain is very welcomed. Very awesome. welcome to
0: so, yeah, Well, you know, yeah, I think great. somebody actually uh, commented on our uh, a past episode on YouTube about common grace. And so we're here today that God gives sunshine and rain to the righteous and wicked alike. And so now we get the gift of rain in our area. So we're thankful for that, especially how dry it's been in the in Springfield, even though we've we've had some finally some good rain and stuff. But we had a good dry time. And uh, now uh, God is providing awesome rain for us to cool us down and to. Uh, get our grass growing again so we can actually get uh, our lawns mowed. So I that's actually good. needed to mow my yeah.
1: lawn here today. If it after we were done I might might have gotten it done. But if it's if it's raining I'm not going to so, yeah that's fine yeah I've been good though yeah so things are going great in lynn valley we had my first day of class uh this week i met with some of my students at spurgeon it was great excited to get that rolling we are in the fall semester which means that we have some things coming up adam do we not
0: yes we do have a lot going on this fall i know i definitely i know you're you're involved dave but yeah i'm definitely heading up some stuff i'm taking a I'm taking the reins like Dave used to take the reins a little bit on a few things, but hey, I've got a good teacher and a good helper uh, involved in all this, and then it's not just Dave, it's a lot of other people surrounding me, so I've got a lot of uh, wonderful help and some brothers and sisters anyway, but uh, past a uh, couple of weeks on the podcast, I know that uh, we spent some extra time and so uh, to announce these things, but we just want to continue to remind you on September 11th, if you are in the Camden, uh, or Camdenton, Missouri area at First Baptist church Camdenton. I will be up there at three thirties whenever my, uh, talk starts, but I'll be up there to talk about presuppositional apologetics, covenantal apologetics. Um, and just, uh, utilizing the 10 tenants. I've done it before. Um, there's uh, if you go back in our catalog, I've talked about it before, but different context, different way. Uh, it's been a couple of years anyway, so it'll be interesting to see, um, what comes out of this discussion, but yeah, 3:30 is my portion up there. If you go, um, during the morning, Uh, Rob Phillips will be there talking about apologetics. Apologetic Sunday is what uh, they're calling it. So be there. Um, And then on October 15th, and actually, um, if I, I need to open it up, but on October 15th, um, I guess on this episode, I can give you guys the full on details of what's going on. So it's
1: very exciting. And there is a way that you can register now. And that'll mm -hmm. be great because we want to have people at our event. It should be. An amazing opportunity for people to learn about the abolitionist position, also the responses that we should have that are biblical in dealing with those who are incrementalist and those who are not, again, associated with or don't have much knowledge about the abolitionist position. Again, uh, I'm always surprised at those who've not really heard of the position as much as we have made much of it and as much as others have made much of it. So it is something that people are still just a little bit unassociated with. And so we want to make sure that individuals have some access to that training, which Also, just as a caveat to this, Adam has been very on top of making sure that his submission, his resolution submission, has been received. And did they give you a date Mm -hmm. yet on when you were going to get a chance to defend
0: it? Yeah. So, yeah, the the resolution that's going on, I have not gotten any emails back. And now I have uh, talked to somebody today on the phone that um, it's going to be awesome um, that we can show, um, that we can work together. Um, I'll give more information as that. relationship happens um hopefully uh, there's some more talking going on on that but uh, yes we got the resolution submitted and just to let you guys know i'm just you know if i don't have an email if i don't get anything back i know i've submitted it and i'm just playing the the normal game which it's sad that that's a it's a game um, if i don't get anything i'm going to still go up there and uh make a motion to pull it out of committee because i did send it And then uh, get a two-thirds vote to bring it out and hopefully with the help that i might have um, behind me um, with another brother um, maybe we can get this thing uh, pulled out and then considered and hopefully we can get the uh, ballots up in the air a whole lot better than the past couple of years on uh, abolition documentation here in uh, Missouri, as far as the Missouri Baptist goes. But anyway, I finally got something pulled up. Um, But uh, for the podcast listeners and the YouTube watchers, anyway, we've got the official things going on. Now the tickets are available as of, well, it's today, but yesterday, uh, now that you're listening to it, but we've got the go Therefore abolish abortion conference. It's going to be hosted at my home church redeemer here in Springfield, Missouri at 845 South Fort Avenue and uh, we've got well I I get to start us off and I'll be talking about uh, the whole repent with us thing um, and introducing uh, the whole concept of abolitionism and uh, you know what's what's going on at the convention or at the conference anyway and we got Dusty Devers um, from Rescue Those. Uh, We got James Silverman from free the states we got bill askell everybody knows him anyway and he's he would be considered the uh, southern baptist for abolishing abortion um, and then Brett Baggett, which is also with Rescue Those. You've seen these guys on the Tag podcast. We've talked about it. We've uh, worked with them the past couple of years uh, for the uh, for Nashville and Anaheim. So Dave got to work with them first. I got to work with them second. We both and, got uh, to work with them yeah. last
1: year. Uh, yeah. James and the folks for yep. the states were just outstanding at being at the Missouri Baptist Annual Meeting last year in Branson. Mm-hmm. We were just so grateful to have both Sam Riley and James And I feel really bad because I cannot remember the young lady that was there with us as well. Um, Just outstanding uh, presence because of them. And we're grateful for these folks. And this Mm -hmm. is a really powerful way to jump into the Missouri Baptist Annual Meeting, knowing that your resolution is going to be up. Now, I will say, Adam, just as a little aside here, oftentimes with those resolutions, when you submit them, uh, they'll receive them. And they, I don't think that I usually had a recognition or a receipt from them receiving mine in the past, and so they should just give you a date here before too long on when you're yeah. going to get an opportunity to defend it. Because if you submitted it, you will get an opportunity to at least go and speak to that, unless they've yeah. changed the change the way that they're dealing with them, which uh, honestly wouldn't surprise me.
0: Oh yeah. It happened at Anaheim with some other deals. So, <laughs> you know, things change and they can do that. Um, apparently. So, uh, yeah, so, um, that's, that's just the condition going through anyway. But, um, anyway, back to the, uh, go there for abolish abortion conference. Uh, we have it up. Tickets are available. Um, I have it through Eventbrite. So if you actually, uh, if you're looking at it on your screen right now, you can take your phone, uh, open up your, uh, you can open up your camera, and then there's that little uh, QR code. So right now, you could scan it while it's on the screen, and uh, get that QR code that'll send you straight to the uh, the uh, Eventbrite webpage to where you can see uh, the summary of the conference, and then also buy your tickets. And so they are $10 for an individual, uh, $20 for a family. Um, upcoming will be some opportunities for some scholarships and then um definitely i'm asking the redeemer gang and i'm sure some other people want to help but we will need a, a lot of uh, uh hospitality setup, up tear down production folks which i know will be handled a lot by my redeemer folks but there might be some uh, room so that, you know ask me if uh, we need any help and we can uh figure out a way to plug you in and if you're serving you're in so and you can be able to serve it so uh doors are at eight o'clock uh, we have sessions one through four um, from eight fifty to 12. we'll have a lunch break and then uh, we'll have session five and Q and A from one to three ten, and that'll take care of a full over seven hours of time during the day of just great equipping. So it's go there for abolish abortion. Um, we're taking the great commission idea and teaching them. Um, really it's coming down. I'm saying repent with us. So we got dusty Devers, uh, teaching on what does Jesus say? And so he's got the tenets of abolition there. we got James Silverman. We want to teach you. I've asked him to speak on teaching how to build. So how do we build as a church a ministry? Um, what do we need to think about, um, all the facets of ministry when it comes to abolishing abortion? Uh, Bill Askell has, uh, you know, I wanted to seek, get him, see, to seek him out, to go teach us how to love, how do we love women? How do we love children? How do we love fathers? Um, how do we love the whole, the whole shebang that's involved in this whole, um, deal of abortion? And, and, you know, so we can have that idea of like, we don't want you to have abortion on your mind. Um, but we also have to deal with the civil issues as well. Whenever people do, uh, go and go ahead and murder our preborn neighbors. And then, uh, we have Brett Baggett to kind of lead us through the, so what now he's a really good convicting kind of guy. So he knows how to pull out those things from scripture to go, you know, this is true. Now, what are you going to do with it? And so he's got the uh, so what now? So that's going to be a great conference uh, coming up on October 15th. So please go to that uh, Eventbrite page and uh, get your tickets and everything. And, again, if you want to serve, let me know. Also, there will be some scholarships coming up. So that is uh, all I got for now. We'll continue giving more more on that. that. Yeah, and then to again, being we there got
1: and seeing folks that that I know and recognize, and hopefully getting a few individuals from my church to be there. Is there any type of poster that we might download as a PDF to hang in our churches?
0: Well, uh, there's that like image that? there. There's that image there. You can go to the uh, Tag Your It Facebook page, and uh, we got the little picture there. You can print off if you want to do that, and then maybe I can uh, get something. A little bit less lighter in color as well to uh, put up to get the information out. But, yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want to do with that picture. Thank you. Um, then also, um, we have a debate on the 23rd coming up. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that all right. And, you know, Dave, Mr. Moderator over here. And then I'm, you know, I'm not debating with my buddy this time around. He's going to be uh, moderating me and telling me, hey, Adam, you need to calm <laughs> down a little bit. Right so let me get that up on the screen here real quick yeah we're really
1: excited about this it does have a really neat application to apologetics that's really what we're trying to do with this debate is to demonstrate that there is a reason to have a robust eschatology because it does impact your theological or it does impact your apologetics approach and excited Mm -hmm. to have Our, my former student Gabe, uh, Mm -hmm. and again, our friend Colton and Dennis. We're so grateful. Dennis, that was his first time on last week. And if you haven't seen the program where we talk a little bit about the relationship of apologetics and eschatology. I would encourage you to go back and watch that video from last week. It has been uh, really a a useful piece. We've had some nice Mm -hmm. responses from people on that, and so we're just really looking forward to that debate. It is a free debate, and last year the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network provided a little bit of a a snack, some refreshments, and some Mm -hmm. drinks, I would say that there was enough there last year for a person to have a full meal. In fact, I knew some people yes. did. They just basically had a full meal. And so we would love to just have that room packed with people as they consider this concept. And so there should be in the near future a nice little press release about this debate. And we just would encourage you to share that and invite people to come to the debate.
0: Yep. So October 20th. 3rd, 2022, 7 p.m. at the St. Charles Convention Center in the Junior Ballroom C&D on the lower level in St. Charles, Missouri. We will be doing this. The resolve is, what does the Bible say about end times? And it's an evening of debate between four eschatological positions Man, that word sometimes gets to me. But anyway, it's me. Um, I'm the I'm the post mill guy, but luckily we're not we didn't say anything about the millennium in the resolve. Thank you again. Uh, we have uh, Gabriel Zalea, which is on mill. We've got Colton Wright, he'll be arguing the historic pre-mill position, and Dennis Jackson, which will be arguing from the dispensationalist uh pre-mill position as well. So we'll have all that there. It'll be a lot of fun. Um come again with to the conference, come to this. Bring your questions, bring your notebooks, bring your pen, and uh, seriously be inquisitive. Um, Let's get the information out there. Let's talk, let's uh, sharpen one another with the word of God and you know that's the thing is both both the things are sola scriptura um, out the wazoo so you you can come in not knowing what's going on but you can grab your Bible and you know you have God's revelation to deal with and to keep us to so again be a good Berean and uh, when on both these things and uh, continue uh, doing uh, really good apologetics because uh, that's how we do things around here so I think that gets all the housekeeping again out of the way and so we are coming out of a wonderful week we are all always um a caboose podcast i think i think everybody else gets to these things because you know dave you're a pastor serving a church community you're a busy guy and then you know i've got you got your family you got all that you got your teaching at school all that kind of stuff at spurgeon and then you know i've got i'm a barber I got a family, I got a church family, I got lots of stuff that I'm doing. So it's like, uh, we always get that. Uh, everything happens like on a Thursday to where everybody gets to it. And then here comes along the tag, you're At podcast and they finally catch up. And, but it's a good thing because we can always be, uh, slow to speak. We can be quick mm-hmm. to think quick to listen and slow to speak and then come on whenever we can record and uh, hit these things. So it's a wonderful thing that, but we are going to talk about today, as we said last week, uh, the student loan forgiveness fiasco that's happening and uh, the major reactions going on there. And I know Dave had a really wonderful reaction (laughs) and post that we need to explain and everything, but it would be a good, it'd be a good opportunity to explain because I did have, I shared it and then somebody asked, explain, that's all they said. Explain, and so I was like, you know, we'll just wait until we do the podcast. I can share the link with them.
1: Well, here's one of the things that I think is is interesting with that, you know, concept of us being a little bit behind. I actually think that we've really done a good job of dealing with a lot of issues, and I don't think we're really behind the eight ball on this because I haven't really seen a lot of other podcasts talk about this concept. So those of you who are familiar in keeping up with current events. To be very um, generic, to give the 30,000-foot overview, our president, as we all know, decided that there were going to be people who were going to have their loans forgiven, and that was just, of course, something that was celebrated by all kinds of folks. What I found to be most interesting was posts, I don't know, like this one here that basically tell us that as Christians we should not be arguing against debt forgiveness. Now what's very interesting about this is this is one of my former professors from Southwest Baptist University who has Mm. since leaving Southwest Baptist University not only been on our program in the past – But he has likewise decided that he no longer believes in God. He's more of an agnostic atheist. So this is the interesting thing. He's not the only individual coming up with posts like this. We even have a meme that we're going to be dealing with that basically are trying to get Christians to feel like for some reason they should be um, complicit in agreeing with this. Uh, For some reason, Christians obviously have an obligation to – for some reason celebrate this not really a forgiveness of student loan debt but a transference of debt now the first thing that i will note about this number 1 and i'm not the first person to say this it's actually an incredibly racist thing that has happened if you want to talk about any type of um Institutional racism the majority of people who are actually being impacted by this are actually white middle class people are the ones who are getting their loans forgiven. It is incredibly a racist policy. And I'm not the first person to note that, by the way. There are great folks who have done that. This is actually impacting middle class white people more than it is anybody else. So if you want to see institutional racism, there you go. But the idea that somehow as Christians, we should be against this is a demonstration fundamentally, not only on Miller's part, but on the part of numerous people that there's a category error here. There is nothing in Scripture that says directly anywhere that Christians should always be excited about being forced to transfer wealth from one group of people to another group of people, by the way, at the expense of other people. Now, here's the other problem with this. Joe Biden is not paying for anything on this. It's not costing him anything, and are you ready? It is costing the American taxpayers something to do that. The debt is yeah. not forgiven in any yeah. type of category that would be at all in uh, – that would all comp- at all comport with Christian evangelicalism. So,
0: yeah, so here's, here's the deal. You go to, to Miriam Webster's, um, you know, just to get a definition of forgiveness here. And, uh, it says to grant relief from payment. Okay. So the thing is, is for forgiveness to happen with these student loans, the colleges need to go, well, yeah, like people are been, it's been bad. We feel sorry for them. We want to give them the grace of forgiveness, grace, right? So it's not their due. They don't deserve it. They entered a contract. Was bad contract, you can look at, you know, where they coerced into things, what, you know, again, we got to go case by case on these things. So you need good case law, which I mean, we do have a system of good case law that if we wanted to look into this, we, we don't have to just make a blanket statement, the blanket statements, what's going to hurt us, we can go case by case and do justice correctly. Or we can have injustice by the redistribution of wealth, um, which if you go again into Acts, um, where is it in Acts? Like two, is it Acts chapter five? Yeah, Acts chapter five. You got to think about even, um, you know, whenever you had Ananias and Sapphira, they had personal property. The, uh, the apostles actually tell them you can do whatever you want to do with it. But they made the uh, oath to God to give all of it, all the sales of their property to them. Um, and to, to the, to the church and to the apostles. And so they, it seems like they'd made, you can assume that they made a commitment to give it all to them. And they said, you could do whatever you want to do with it. And, uh, but you didn't, you lied to God and they were struck dead. So again, we have laws in the, in the scriptures that against stealing, what does that imply? That implies that something is yours and nobody has the right to take it. So if you're going to, if you're going to try to use these things to do all, they had they held all things in common. And, uh, but again, that there's a bigger picture, um, especially whenever you think about what was being taught about the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem, there's a reason why they're selling off their property too. It's not, they're taking care of each other. They're taking care of the poor wrath is coming God is saving people through the gospel and they are getting rid of their stuff, taking care of one another. That's another, uh, environmental element, um, that they're living in, but they had, they could dispose of their own stuff. They wanted to dispose of. It's just, if you make an oath to God, you better keep that oath the exact way that you made that oath to God. So, you know, that you can't utilize those to preach that Christians should do this communist sort of, um, you, you can talk about Puritan, um, communitarianism versus communism. Uh, that's two completely different things. That's not what's going on here, but, uh, but yeah, you got, you, you can't, you can't do that. So whenever you're talking about the definition of forgiveness, at least from, uh, Merriam Webster, which is to grant relief. Okay. If we just granted relief, if the loan, the, the loan people, the people that lended, that lended them the money, um, they're going, okay, we forgive it. They have, they were, get, they gave them the money. They can't pay it back. They would, they could forgive it and grant relief. Okay. I'm totally. I'm totally for that. If that's what the lending company wanted to do or if the colleges said, Hey, we got a lot of uh, broke students here. Um, we are going to forgive their debt to us. Um, and then tell the loan companies to, Hey, don't, uh, we don't, we don't want the money anymore. That's not what, that's not what's happening. Um, it's just the president going, nope, we're, we're and, and the administration saying, nope, we're, we are going to forgive it. Wait a second. Do are were they in debt? Did you give the loan out? And uh, one thing is, uh, should you be handing loans out if you are giving loans out with taxpayer dollars? So that's presupposing, like you're already presupposing that the system is good and that we should be doing that if we are doing that. So you have to look at who's giving the money they would be the ones to forgive. And then that would get up to uh, Matthew 18. When you're talking about the debtor, the guy owed the King money. Mm. And then the King said, I forgive you. But it was because the person owed the King money. But remember, we don't have a King here. We've got a representative democratic you know, it's a it, it's a constitutional democratic republic. So you can't go one to one with the whole situation from there if you're going to do exegesis and the, then then to, to contextualize it to us now to get the principles and to be able to apply um, these kind of things. But, you know, this is just a whole made up mess. So but the only thing is if, if the colleges wanted to forgive it, and that's what this, I guess, is my main point. If the colleges wanted to forgive it, they can forgive it. If the people that made the loan and gave the money, if they wanted to forgive it, they can forgive it. And I think Christians could be hundred percent for that. And that'd be biblical to do. Um, but no, not the redistribution of it to where now um, it's coming out of your ears in my pocket. Not everybody can continue to afford tons and tons of taxes. Cause remember those same poor people are paying taxes, but you know, you got that tax the rich mentality, but what does God say in the scriptures? If we're going to now if scriptures mean something, Um, You're supposed to actually not treat people with partiality. So um, our tax system is actually iniquitous because we are taxing. We are requiring more money from rich people than we are poor people. And that's actually God has told you not to show favoritism to the poor person or favoritism to the rich person. So, again, there's a whole lot more going on into this discussion that, you know, a lot of people aren't wanting to get into because, it would show that there's a whole lot more bad that we're a part of and uh, and and responsible for um, than we want to know. So we just uh, st- settle for these little platitudes and, you know, getting attacked by uh, really horrible straw men argumentation.
1: Well, the other thing is that it's a fallacy of composition or mm-hmm. what might be. Called a category error. And again, according to Douglas Wilson, a fallacy of composition or category error is when someone assumes that what is true of the parts must be true of the whole. The Mm -hmm. issue uh, with this type of statement that Miller presents, right, and I actually invited him, I said, you're making a category error here, right? I, I made that rather clear. And as one would do if they were a high school or college debate coach, which he's been both of these things, would say, no, here's why I'm not making that category error. The category error category error, is rather clear. Christians are defined most importantly by the reality that Jesus Christ has taken their sins on him and paid for the full cost of their sins. That's a defining statement about Christians and who they are. But then to say that Christians must by force be For any type of forgiveness of financial debt is simply irresponsible. When God commands people to be good stewards of their finances, that is something that should apply to everyone, by the way, not just to Christians. All of humanity should be stewards. God has given humanity dominion over creation, therefore a stewardship over creation— Therefore, as a Christian, I can fundamentally say that when one fails to be a good steward, they are acting sinfully, and that other people should not have to pay for their sins. This type of statement here says, since Christians are all for the forgiveness of sin, the forgiveness of debt—again, a different type of debt—the debt of finance and the debt of sin before a holy and righteous God are categorically different things. When I put forward this type of argumentation, I'm not even given an, a, an actual response. Uh, in fact, what you get is someone saying, no, it's not a category error. And then I say, really? And it is. will prove that it is. No, no, no. I've demonstrated fundamentally that this is a category error because the atonement cannot be compared to financial debt in a literal objective sense, that is the issue that we're dealing with here. No, Christians don't have to be excited that people's financial debt has been transferred to them unfulfilled, or excuse me, unwelcomely. That's the problem with this type of mentality. So I made sure to make a post and i would be so glad to explain it for those of you who, who didn't follow my and this has, is yeah this.
0: and this is the uh, this is going to be the optimistic end so you're going to get all this kind of stuff but then you get like a really good critique here and this is what i loved about um loved about it is it is a definite left field uh critique to everybody uh, but yeah read read what you uh let's read what you uh posted and then explain what you mean by it yeah so secularist. Uh, awesome.
1: Yeah, so secularist and uh, progressive Christians and atheists and agnostics are really, uh, like, taking the words of Christ about forgiveness, right, and they are saying, oh, man, we need to make sure that we do these things that Jesus said. Well, praise the Lord, atheists and progressive Christians and seculars, I'm so glad, I'm so excited that you have now made it clear that you objectively believe that Jesus Christ lived, that his teachings actually are authoritative. And are you ready? They're also clear enough for people to actually live out. The other recognition here is that, of course, there is a clarity that can be followed and understood because hermeneutics and exegesis are really important. And when we look at Things like parables, they actually have an objective meaning and application mm-hmm. to the way Christians should live, and likewise, and I love this part the most, when you make statements like Miller's, what you're saying is, look, the reality is that grace is a free gift from God, and it redeems the whole person, it redeems the mind and the spirit that is an amazing thing. Christians are saved by grace, and therefore they should be people of grace. And so then I put that mill because <laughs> obviously when secularists are beginning to profess that Jesus Christ is actually Lord, his words are binding, that forgiveness mm-hmm. is an amazing thing, that he really lived, that exegesis is a good thing. Well, what does that yeah. mean? We'll
0: yeah, and leaving. especially— Go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, especially whenever I'm going to hit something share too after this, because this will go right into um, what you're getting ready to dig into here. Um, This uh, was a message that was shared by a guy that I know has a major problem with uh, biblical inerrancy and clarity and all that kind of stuff. We've talked about him on the show before. Um, But uh, and I don't really have to mention who he is anyway, uh, but uh, he shared this and it's, you know, it says it is so harmful for our public to our public witness as Christians. When we claim to worship Jesus, who said, behold, I have come to bring good news to the poor, yet resist economic policies that would be good news to the poor. And it's one of those things. Okay, so hermeneutics is important. You know, even if you have bad hermeneutics, you're admitting what hermeneutics are important. Um, you, again, like you're saying, you're saying, Hey, this is, uh, clearly Jesus said this so that you, even if it's a uh, poor exegesis, you're still saying it's clear, <laughs> you know? So like all the stuff that David's saying is, you know, that even, even people that, uh, are doing trash to the scriptures are saying they're important. They're an We've got to use them. We've got to use them to put people in their place. Um, so here's the whole like you're you're doing the thing that uh, like I'm blaming you for exactly what I'm doing sort of mentality of, of a very leftist um, secularist uh, position trying to do those kind of things. But uh, but the thing is, is they're screaming it. And so this is, the, this is what's actually foretold in the Old Testament is that there would be a time where people are screaming for God's law. And with and Jesus, the Torah is the Torah leaves Jerusalem and goes to the coastlands because the coastlands were hungry for that law. And here's where we're seeing people are hungry, and they're going, "Well, Jesus says this. Okay, do you want Jesus to save you? But you got to have the right understanding of what Jesus says. That I have come to bring good news to the poor. What 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 is that good news? Is it is it some platonistic just Amorphous meaning that you can just make mean whatever you want, or is does Jesus actually have a meaning to what the good news and who the poor are whenever he goes into the synagogue and so, tells them to open up the scroll and he reads it and he says this has been fulfilled today in your presence. Mm. So well, that's here's, yeah.
1: Yeah, and here's the other reality about this, Adam. That again. I'm not the only person to make this comment, but I did make it in that post. I made it rather clear. Isn't it interesting that um, Jesus can speak with authority on matters of economics, but he cannot speak clearly on matters of ethics and morality and human sex, sexuality or gender. So which is it? Which is it? You see, you can't have both. Can Jesus speak both clearly and unclearly on matters of economics and morality because are you ready they're both moral issues they're both moral Mm -hmm. and ethical issues so you get to be picky choosy well obviously you don't get to be picky choosy because you believe that there was authority that jesus stated those things with you believe jesus objectively lived or at least your statement is acting as if it did demonstrating that you cannot be consistent with your position demonstrating the bankruptcy of your position that's yep. the issue there. And if you want to yep. go to the the place uh, Adam and I think it's it's a great place you were, and I were speaking a little bit before this of Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant, Matthew 18 verse 21 and, and I can just kind of pick up right there. Mm -hmm. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brothers sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy seven times. Now, notice there is no economic component to that.
0: Yeah. And you also you have to go. Who is my brother? All right. Because you have two different words mentioned. You have neighbor and you have brother. And so in Matthew as well, you have Jesus give you the definition of who his brothers are. And those are who do the will of the father. Because remember, if you're going to say Jesus says something, Jesus himself said, I do not bring any of these words on my own authority. I speak what the father told me to speak. So whenever Jesus spoke, he wasn't giving his words. He was giving the father's words. But then again, most people are very Unitarian. And so can they make room for um three persons, one God, Trinitarianism. So I mean you gotta you gotta really consider words here. Um there is a battle over the dictionary and Jesus is the Lord of the dictionary, especially of the words that are in here that he speaks. And so he gets to define does he get to define who brother is so if you have a brother or sister who has sinned against you he's saying you forgive them always. Why? Because in our boat it's been forgiven by well Christ is going to do the cross and he's going to be made sin who knew no sin so that we can be a, through the righteousness of God. And so he actually takes the transaction of sin. He doesn't wink at it, He doesn't throw it under the carpet. No, no, he takes it and absorbs. So true forgiveness is an absorption. So if somebody hits me in my car, um, I can forgive them. And then I am the one who is going to pay the debt to get my car fixed because yes. I love that person.
1: And the absurdity, again, is, are you ready? These types of liberal progressives are rejecting their fundamental position about Jesus in order to try to make their argument. They cannot be consistent with that. What I would challenge any of these individuals to do in a meaningful way, and I've not seen one person even try, is to go to Matthew 18 and and look very clearly here at verse 23. Follow Mm -hmm. along with me, verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven and out of pity for him the master of the servant released him and forgave his debt two major components on this number mm-hmm. 1 there is repentance who are yes. these individuals that are repenting notice likewise he is saying i will repay everything recognizing that he actually owed i don't yeah. see anyone in, any of these people saying we recognize that we were the ones, where is this massive repentance for, oh my goodness, we made a mistake. Where is this pleading to have mercy that's going out? I, I don't know it, I know none of it. As a taxpayer, no one's written me any type of letter to say, you know, I repent of my foolishness and I have actually, I'm gonna actually make a change in my life to make reconciliation to the best of my ability. In other words, I'm gonna change my foolish behavior my inability to steward my finances, I am going to make a change in, in order to better my position so I can pay this back, recognizing I made the mistake. No, no, you don't see that. What you hear is all these people complaining about
0: yep. being victims of a and so, Yeah. And then the, the the other thing is, is the king had given money out. So the king, so remember, we have to go, what is the context here? Was it telling you the King is the one who gave out the money and he's wanting to settle accounts? So this is the King's money. He's the one that handed it out. He handed apparently 10,000 talents to this person. They never paid it back. He's well, he's it's time to settle up. And so he's seeking to settle up. And then, so here's the sanctions against somebody that can't pay him back is to uh, send him and his children and his wife and everything. Um, to be sold, so you'd have debtor's prison um, in that, and then that's how they, would, how the king would actually, because he was owed money, he wants to get money back. We also don't have interest here, so he's actually kind of following the law of the Old Testament that you don't add interest, like a Hebrew to Hebrew, you're not supposed to ask, you know, whatever they ask for, you give, and that's what they give you back. So if you yeah. gave your brother twenty dollars, you don't say, and then give it to me in three weeks, and I want twenty-five dollars so you know so jesus knows his law and he's making the parable and it's fitting everything in the law to to even make the story <laughs> you know if it's if it's a story and it's not a real thing but your christ is teaching through it or he could be utilizing a real story too either way the st- same the same thing is there um so it's the king's money the person owes it um he ends up going yes i repent i will pay you back so again where are we having people going? If I could pay it, um, if you give me more time, then you know I will pay it back. Um, but then you have the king, the master of the the master had compassion and he released him and forgave him the loan. So that means the king was willing to not get any money. So it was if, done.
1: If you don't see the category error that you're making in this claim, not just brett miller but those who are trying to say that christians must be celebrating this you obviously have not taken the time to do the exegesis that is required to actually deal with it and likewise you're just making some generalized statement that proves you're ignorant of the use of scripture and the application and teaching of scripture like really you're going to tell me from my religious text that it's somehow binding on me your eisegesis of the text is now binding upon me rather than going to the text and saying, hey, here's how it applies. But notice if you jump down to, again, the basically what happens in the parable is verse verse 28. Uh, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw what had taken place, there were great distress and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all your debt because you pleaded with me and... Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Are you ready? This man was still going to have to pay. Are you ready? His mm-hmm. debt wasn't forgiven completely. And this master still had a binding control over this guy. And he still had to face the ramifications Of his debt. But here is the most important component. Jesus then says, So then, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, not out of your pocketbook.
0: Yeah, this is a hard issue. So this is where, especially whenever we're getting into the more liberal side of things where they go, I live by the law of love. It's contentless, but I live by the law of love. And then because of really bad exegesis, now you're actually even opposing yourself by asking for the economic sword policy to then coerce uh, money from taxpayers to actually pay the schools and the loan people who are the actual predators. So you are actually being an enabler of the problem. Instead of going for real justice, would be going for the colleges that did the marketing and made the environment that you have to have an education. You've got to do this or else you're going to not have a good life. You're not going to have the car. You're not going to live the American dream or whatever. Um, the, the, and we live in a world that's also, well, the environment's the problem. I'm a good person. Well, the, we have an environment you're unwilling to actually deal with. You're not willing to go to the colleges. You're not willing to go to the loan officers and demand justice from the sword and proving that they did something malicious and against you that could be proven in court and then ruled in your favor and then justice is done and then there could be the that the man-on-man um, exchange of what needs to be done there. You're not doing it, um, and but you're you're making the innocent pay for the guilty's crimes against another one go for it
1: then this type of meme was thrown up here you can see obviously the people who the trolley has already ran over and then the question is asked would it be fair to kill would it be fair to the people the trolley has already killed to divert it now here's the issue with this when i actually tried to have a rational conversation what i get is a meme in a response to it, not actually recognizing the distinct difference between what the Christian position is. Now we have a non sequitur, a again a red herring to try to show how incredibly intelligent we are and how how incredibly ethical we are. And then we ask this question again: Would it be fair to the pe- to the people the trolley has already killed to divert it now? Are you ready? This type of economic policy not only impacts a few people, it impacts everyone. The trolley is the people at the end of the trolley are all of us in the American culture who are having to pay this incredible inflation up the wazoo. And are you ready? This doesn't even apply to the statement about Christians because our argument isn't. An economic one, it is don't say that this is an economic one that we have to to clap our hands for. You have already, based upon your false understanding or your false analogy or your category error, demonstrated that your initial statement doesn't apply to Christians when it comes to what is the most definitive category of forgiveness, and that is our sin, not economics. It's a heart issue, Matthew 18 verse 20 verse 35 it's a heart issue that christ is most uh most after
0: yeah i don't know if you had
1: any thoughts on that
0: Oh, yeah, and I mean, it just comes down to, uh, you know, like, we, we did not enter the meme studio, which is totally okay, and we'll just uh have this one, just a uh, meme theology out of the gate, maybe I'll just throw, throw, <laughs> throw it up, so maybe you've already seen it, and <laughs> no, that's okay, we didn't, it's one of those things that, yeah, like, the because the, the reaction was so, so memey. y um, we can bring up another, another one to continue the conversation. Yeah, well, I've got a few other um, little responses oh, yeah. that people yeah. made
1: to this, and, and I wanted to show you yeah. just the... The refusal to to actually like engage in this conversation, right? Or the absurdity of this. So another person in this same thread begins to say, "Oh, you know what? I don't really believe the Bible is a is, is a moral or ethical standard, right? There you go. It's not a moral or ethical standard according to what moral principle, right? Um, yeah. Foolishness, right? So, what do they say? You know, I really like the Old Testament law where it talks about the about Well, again, he goes very clearly here to the idea that every seven years, and I'll, I can just kind of read some of it, but the the concept is the year of Jubilee, and this person who says that they're an atheist basically sa- gives the excuse as to why they borrowed money. No one forced anyone to do it, by the way. Mm-hmm. No one forced me to do it, by the way, but I paid it off. Because I have, as a Christian, a moral responsibility to pay my debts. Mm -hmm. Not expecting Mm -hmm. anyone to forgive them, by the way. Then this individual here gives this whole little piece about uh, the year of Jubilee. And just to give the rest of that component. They then move on to, yeah, the idea of the year of Jubilee and the craziness of this is these secularists are now saying you know what it's not enough for us to be christians and believe that jesus christ is is god we need to institute jewish economic policy
0: so they're actually wanting to do one-to-one theonomy which i'm not even a one-to-one theonomist so, <laughs> you know, I, I, hold to the Westminsterian and, uh, London Baptist confession, general equity principles. But when you do that, then you're actually truly into the year of Jubilee of what Christ is, um, what Christ becomes. Um, but then again, it's a spiritual issue. Um, the poor are the ones, if you look at the end of Matthew, whenever he's talking about the, the woes and he's, and he's, uh, shaming all the Jewish leadership for, uh, not coming into the kingdom and shutting everybody else out of the kingdom because you wouldn't come to come into the kingdom. So all this, all this stuff points to spiritual realities that are fulfilled in Christ though. Yes, we do have laws with the ceremonial laws, which then when you talk about the year of Jubilee, okay, we've got to have land and then it gets dispersed among people for seven years and then it goes back. So the reason why we know that that law is not, in anymore is because that had direct to do with that physical land that had already been given to them. And back in Joshua's days, God fulfilled the land promise to Israel. So they had all the land that God promised already. It's not a future thing in a thousand and a 1000 year kingdom that they get the land. Israel's not a separate uh, entity anymore. The church, the Gentiles and Israelites. uh, So you have Egypt, Assyria and Israel, all three together. Now, um, the highways flattened. The hills are flattened. There's only one way. And as through Jesus Christ, and it doesn't matter, that's whenever you can actually make sense of it. Uh, there's no male, female, slave, free, Jew, Gentile. We're all one in Christ because of the dividing wall of hostility, which is the ceremonial law that separated Israel. Um, that's, that's demolished because of Christ, but there's still law. But then again, you have moral, you have judicial, and, yeah, you know, ceremonial and everything, all the ceremonials fulfilled in Christ. The judicial is just the moral law worked out civilly. And it's not one for one, but you want one for one. You want theocracy. And so there you go. Um, that mill. Okay. Come the, to Christ. Come to Christ. That and, is yeah. the certainty of it. And then so again, you can where go where to Ernie the end of Revelation. From. Yeah. And this goes to the end of Revelation. The spirit and the bride say, come. If you want a theocracy, it's coming for you no matter what. So are you going to be in the kingdom or are you going to be out of the kingdom? What do you want? So, so you yeah, know, that's when, whenever so, you get into it. Yeah.
1: yeah. So thank you, my secularist, yeah. atheist, progressive Christian friends who have now affirmed the reality of Scripture as true and demonstrated that you should hold Christians to a standard and that God's law is supreme.
0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Hermeneutics are law. Important. Yeah. Because then you can truly love God and then you can truly love neighbor and you do not put undue burdens on innocent people. So that goes, so this is the same hermeneutic you'd use for abortion. You don't kill the innocent. You don't uh, burden the innocent. Right. So it's, Again, it's people that are trying to be able to do things without consequences. And that's uh when it comes down, that's the redistribution of wealth is the same thing as uh, you know, trying to just go after the abortionists. <laughs> you know, like nobody wants, you know, if a woman wants to go murder a baby, they can shout it up on uh Facebook and then uh, the abortionist uh can deal with the uh judicial uh process and the woman gets off scot free. So, you know, somebody um, Somebody's getting it, somebody's not getting it, and the wrong people are not getting treated um, with the respect um, that we deserve to give them as creatures that are derivative underneath our creator God and, and King Jesus Christ. So, um, but yeah, so this is a whole, this has been a, a big clown show, and it's uh, gotten a reaction, but the wonderful thing is the way that God takes all these things and turns them for good. People react, and then uh, we get to go in as Christians with the truth. Since the church is the pillar and buttress of the truth, we are to Mm -hmm. proclaim truth into our our atmosphere. And there's people that are getting hurt by this. And so what are we going to do, church? Are we going to sit there and just react and do bad hermeneutics and just hurting people more? Um, cause Christ says, you know, the, if you, if you teach him to do not do the law, like you're in least in the kingdom. And if you teach my kids to sin, if you teach these little ones to sin, it's better just tie a millstone around your neck and jump in the water. Yeah. So, you know, which, which was what's going to be for us church um, when it comes to that. But so these are, you know, we can, we can call them perilous times and the darkness and all that stuff. No, this is time for harvest. This is time for harvest. People are getting hurt. There's lies everywhere. There's darkness everywhere. And the harvest is ripe whenever it's dark because people are getting hurt. People are getting lied to and they know it. And it's time for us to go in and be calm and cool headed and gentle and respectful And go in and preach the gospel and uh, bring them in. If
1: one were to read the rest of the links, uh, the first thing they began to try to go after is, well, you must not be a very generous person. You must love capitalism more than mercy. Uh, All these incredible arguments are made about Mm -hmm. my morality. And uh, I would always say, according to what standard are you judging my morality? Like, Way, if you're going to judge my morality, you have to have a standard for that, and if you're going to do it from a Christian perspective, then use Scripture to correct me. But if you don't even believe it, you see the circularity and the absurdity of your position.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if we actually shared a meme or anything. We all we shared the uh, Twitter stuff. I guess there was the uh, comment meme or anything. But uh, basically, you got a good dose of meme theology today. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we got a couple more. We can use them. But I think we did a really good job at hitting hey, something. Hey, man, we I'm got something you. Else I think to that share. was
1: good. No, brother, yeah. that's good. I mean, I've got some other things for other shows, but we are good, yeah. man. I'm glad we hit yeah. I hope I wasn't... Uh, wasn't running things too much that uh, in the program today.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're good. No, no, I I, I took my time. I took my time. Yeah. So I know you guys that are listening to the show right now and watching it anyway, you're like, yeah, Ray, Ray, you talked enough. You're good. You're good. Don't don't continue. So, but anyway, guys, we hope that this uh, uh, episode on just the reaction to what's going on out there has been helpful. If there's anything that we missed, um, if there's anything that we're not telling right, you just let us know. And I know that the YouTube folks will. <laughs> it seems like YouTube folks have been hitting us up a little bit late more recently. And, and, uh, yeah. we're getting some good criticism, but Hey, iron sharpens iron. And even if you're still wrong, it makes us think. And so yeah. we got to, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's the, that's the deal. And so we don't mind the criticism, even if it's from bad motivations, we still rejoice. Um, and, and that anyway, too, but anyway, um, but seriously guys go out there and use this opportunity to, to preach the gospel and to tell the truth to people and no matter what comes out of it, it they could slap you in the face or they could come uh, in tears and you get to bring them to church with you and introduce them to the rest of the people that uh, god has put you with and you've gained a brother so that's that's the beautiful thing about what we get to do but anyway i think we've done a really good job on this episode until uh, you know things like something else comes up again we'll hit the same topic but uh, with that said this is the tag It podcast i'm ray ray and i'm gay and solely yeah. Gloria.